afternoon and welcome to this webinar brought to you by the New Zealand Tech Marketers Group. So the New Zealand Tech Marketers Group is a national community that supports marketers who work in SaaS or tech businesses or in tech marketing roles like automation, CRM and operations. And as a member of TMG, you get access to shared resources, mentoring, training, workshops, conferences, and a whole lot more. So if you're not a member, uh, it would be fantastic for you to, uh, to jump into uh, techmarketers.co.nz slash join and uh, sign up uh, and you know help us grow the community of tech marketers, helping to grow New Zealand's tech sector uh, and all the tech companies that we work with. I am Caroline Francis and I'm a virtual CMO with 25 years experience in B2B tech marketing across all types of businesses. I've worked overseas in global marketing roles and now here in New Zealand working with high growth tech companies. Um, and if you listen to our most recent TMG podcast, you can hear more about my checkered background in tech marketing journey. Justin, I'm not sure if you've introduced yourself. Not yet. No. So chair, our chair of the TMG, Justin has 15 years experience CMO in CMO roles, um, helping New Zealand SaaS and professional services businesses grow here in New Zealand, in Asia Pacific, North America and the UK. So a wealth of experience. Working across brand, people and technology, Justin's established a really deep understanding of how to build a marketing tech stack, which is what we're here to talk about today, and the results that getting it right actually creates. So we'll tap into some of Justin's amazing knowledge today. So with that, I'm going to throw back to you. Yeah, so today marketers are challenged with business strategy, brand, go-to-market strategy, customer insights, and all that technology that's required to underpin and deliver lead gen and customer experience. The marketers are, you know, often working, um, you know, end-to-end -end and across the full stack of business technology. And as we'll discover today, the changes in those, in the buyer behavior and integrations and your own team's capability are all influencing the platforms we choose and how we leverage marketing tech effectively. On top of that, you know, many marketers are working quite tactical, operational, they're busy running the day-to-day, -day, and this can result in tech being deployed that after a couple of years perhaps becomes a little underutilized and underperforming, and that results in C-suites choosing to, to, to change platforms thinking that they'll get better results. So as marketers, we need to step up. We need to understand that overall business strategy and the full potential of these tools across the business. So with that in mind, shall we get started? Let's get started. So we'll provide a bit of context about the state of play in B2B marketing right now, and then we'll dig into the tools a bit later on. So staggeringly, your sales team now only get roughly 5% of a prospect's time during their buyer journey as a B2B company. And this has really reduced, drastically reduced from pre-pandemic days when we could all move about and shake palms and actually build those face-to-face -face connections. So lack of time with actual buyers coupled with the rapidly shifting buyer dynamics, which have been fueled by access to high quality digital information driven by the need to be online. So the lack of time with actual buyers, that's you know, coupled with that rapidly shifting buying dynamics, which have been fueled by access to high quality digital information is, is reshaping um, the strategic focus of the sales organizations you know, and marketers. 
So now it's really easy for buyers to gather information independently, meaning we, we have less access to, to fewer opportunities. Um, we have less access and fewer opportunities to influence those buyers' decisions. But I'm just going to take a little bit of a, uh, a step back here. Marketing tech, you know, really took off in 2007. It accelerated through 2012 to 15. And back then, marketing was simple. It was made for, for Web 1, you know, desktop buying journeys with websites and email and Google search. Then we were pushed tracking and attribution uh, because it was easy to do then. And, you know, there were less privacy policies and it was just, it was way easier uh, in those days to, to manage that. And the information buyers had was limited. They didn't have lots of information on the internet. So they had to engage with, with sales earlier in the process to get the information that they, they need to, to make those decisions. The evolution to now is what buyers do to, today to learn and discover was not available to them kind of five to eight years ago. They weren't using Slack communities or consuming so much information on LinkedIn, watching webinars daily and conference keynotes uh, on demand. Today, buyers have access to tons more information uh, than they used to. And so now look where we are, right? tens of times every day, um, we're, we're looking at our, our peers to understand, you know, what are they doing? What problems are they solving? What tools are they using? What are their benchmarks and who are they, are they hiring? And B2B buyers are collecting all this information at scale with no tracking. It's fundamentally changed how we think about marketing. And because before the company you know, took control and said, we're going to take you down this journey so that we can track it. But over time, the internet has made all of this information available so that the customer is now in control, not the company. The buyer has control and fighting it ain't going to work with gated content and SDRs. You have to understand your customers better than anyone else. And as we mentioned before, you know, it's that it's really easy for buyers to gather information independently you know, meaning we have less access to fewer opportunities to influence those decisions. You know, one could argue that building a content program creates that halo effect around your brand. But if you ungate your content and understand your audience and your channel, we've got infinitely more opportunities to influence. Cake. Um, and, uh, and, and, and often those interactions, you know, are dark though. And that's what we'll, we'll talk a little bit about more before. Oh, I'm, back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm right. back. I'm sorry. I'm um, hopefully my internet is stable. Um, there's a couple of people off mute, and we can hear amazing cake details. So if you could please put yourself on mute, that'd be awesome. Um, so just taking what Justin said one step further, I was recently reading a Gartner paper, and in it they were saying that B2B buyers only spend 17% of their time meeting with potential suppliers. Fascinating. So when buyers are comparing multiple suppliers, the amount of time spent with any one sales rep may only be about five or six percent. So because of this, the B2B buyer's journey has become more and more complex and more reliant on marketing. That's us to do the heavy lifting across the majority of that buyer's journey, 95% if you read what Gartner says. 
And the journey's not linear, right? It's this lots of multi-channel touch points, multiple interactions, and they all create really unique data points. And we need to weave these data points into our marketing insights, dictating what and how we drive in the market. So switching tacks a little bit, um, gated content. It's dying a death. Gone are the days where every single piece of content required the provision of a contact's details to gain access. In fact, the new school of thought is that educating your market and increasing awareness of the things that your buyers need to understand before they buy is the way to go. And you need to do this en masse via your digital marketing channels. The reason why this is really important is because by the time your buyer comes directly to you, they've already discussed your product or service with their peers and probably evaluated an alternative, most likely your competitor. So as a B2B marketer, we need to shift our focus to demand generation versus lead generation. So it all sounds the same, but the difference. So traditional lead generation is all about generating leads that elicit specific contact information, usually through gated content. And we pass those leads through the sales team to follow up, regardless of the fact that the prospect didn't really want to be contacted at the time, or at least we weren't sure that they were anyway. So by shifting our focus onto demand generation means we get to execute the sales process at scale by using our digital marketing activity and generating direct demand and true intent inbound versus forcing a cold lead gen process. And ungating your best content helps to create an authority around your brand, but still serve this up via paid social to your target audience, that's really important. And think about building retargeting funnels instead for those users who have already engaged with specific content or pages on the website. So that at this point, sending them bottom of funnel content that's very product focused, like video snippets or testimonials or use cases makes really great sense, all ungated and friction free, of course. And ungating your content sets you apart from the commodity or your competitors. It helps to elevate your brand as an authority and enables you to command potentially a high price. Attribution, though, a problem. Um, but attribution can be collected via qualitative information. So asking people where they found you um, and what, they, what path they went through to have a conversation with you. Um, and intent tooling, which we'll chat about later on. There's some really great tools in the market now. And then there's always the dark funnel to think about. And I'm not sure if that's an unfamiliar, um, unfamiliar term to you. We'll tap into that a little bit later on. Justin's got some really great insights there. Yeah, I think like asking people is really important. Asking people how they found out about you. It's not what was the first time they found out about you, but what was the most meaningful piece of content or event or interaction that they had that triggered their um, you know, prompted them to, to reach out, I think is um, really important. And collecting that anecdotal, um, so mm -hmm. having room in your CRM or being able to collect that information, even if it's in your sales calls and those sorts of things, uh, with your sales team to be able to feed that back into CRM, that's it's just so important. Right? So. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on. as MQLs are dead. Over. Dead. Over. I know. I know, our North Star has traditionally been the MQL, right? Driving that through the sales team for follow-up, where, where conversion rates were pretty low, let's be honest, in single digits at best. 
2020 saw a massive shift in the way people buy and buying anything, I mean. So our customers expect that same convenience in business buying as they get from, you know, ordering an Uber. Everybody's, everybody talks about that. Um, or buying wine online or booking the restaurant next restaurant they want to go to, right? So that whole consumer experience is what's expected. And that's been shifting the focus of sales and marketing teams in B2B too. So in this book by Drift, they coin what's called the revenue era. And that's the customers, uh, where the customer is the center of our universe. So as a sales and marketing team, we need to be aligned on revenue goals and the customer lifetime value, which is a little bit different to what marketing's traditionally been focused on. So if we think about the traditional MQL era, the problems are, buyers feeling less personal. They're a number in a random database. Secondly, the marketing team isn't focused on revenue. We're focused on engagement and not whether or not that converts to an actual sale. So we're kind of missing a trick there. And lastly, there's misalignment between sales and marketing because we've got polarizing metrics. We don't, we're not actually focused on the same thing. So the shift to a people-focused way of working is an obvious choice. And marketing needs to focus on generating high quality conversations for the sales team and really understand how successful these conversations are. Do they actually convert into a paying customer? What's the closed loop feedback mechanism we need to have in place there? That's what we should be caring about the most, connecting buyers, connecting sellers with the conversation ready lead being our new North Star. So for optimal impact, account-based marketing comes into play here too. And um, I'm, hopefully you've heard Bindi talk about that recently. And if you haven't, please go and you know watch that webinar on demand. It's fantastic. And then tooling like Sixth Sense, which we'll talk a little bit about later as well, provides a way for us to understand those high intent buyers. Mm. So gated content over, MQLs are dead. And on top of that, devices and browsers have killed a lot of the tracking ability uh, that we once that we once had. So, you know, we need to consistent. We need to then look for other ways to generate first party data and support our prospects through their journey. We've we've got to we've got to use different tools, different techniques. We've got to help our leadership teams um, and and board members understand. You know some different marketing metrics that we're using to to understand um, how we're doing and evaluate our our success, right? And Lawview is a really interesting um, kind of case story and example with this, um, and we'll we'll mention a little bit about um, about that shortly. Um, oh, so Justin, I'm going to start tapping now into your expertise. What do you think are the intent signals as B2B marketers we should be looking for now that we don't have all these, you know, gated um, tools to, to leverage? And which of those intent signals do you think are the most important? You know, we don't have any form fills. We don't, we're not, you know, people aren't, aren't giving us um, their contact information so much. Um, so we've got to look for other ways, right? So there's some really common low-hanging fruit types of interactions that, that we can look at from intent signals. So um, search intent, um, thinking about a keyword or a topic that they that they they search for or a category, the business category, um, your brand name that they then land on your website, right? Great opportunity to be building, um, building audiences. Um, they click through from an ad or an email or a piece of content leadership to, to play something, to do something. That's a that's a key action. They visit, 
um, a webinar, your conference booth. Um, they read um, middle funnel or bottom funnel content. So they might, you know, that gated content that we might have gated in the past, that's a PDF download, um, you know, or an executive leadership report, you know, that should be open. And, you know, using um, Google Tag Manager and analytics, we can still build audiences um, around, these, around these events um, and understand, you know, what percentage of people landing on that page have, have access to that content. And of course, you know, connect, um, whether, whether that's, you know, direct outreach or, um, you know, booking a meeting via Calendly on your website, which is a really um, key KPI. And we're seeing a lot of companies integrate, um, you know, uh, booking engines, whether that's Calendly or something else on their website to streamline um, that process. So we're looking for we're looking for intent. These are all things that we can build lead scoring models off, that we can build audiences off. Um, you know, utilizing customer data platforms or Google Analytics, um, you know, or uh, LinkedIn and those sorts of things as well. There's a lot. That's a lot. So, what is just if we could narrow down a single insight around how you think we should be creating demand and nurturing leads through our funnel? What would that be? You have to create demand for the category mm -hmm. and capture demand for the brand. So no yep. one's going to buy your brand if they don't want the category. And Law of View, as I mentioned, is a really great example where, um, you know, uh, SaaS products for in-house legal teams, that kind of category didn't exist before Law of View. And so they've mm -hmm. really, they've, they've created the category and they've established the category and they've built a community in view with their magazine and thought leadership and interviews and events and all those sorts of things that's rallying in-house legal teams around the problem that they're trying to solve and around other thought leadership within that in-house legal teams have, have to solve. So they've created, um, they've established category and authority within that category and they're, in doing so they're building brand credibility and they're also building first-party data because everyone who's subscribing and becoming a part of that community is also uh, a prospect um, that they can be um, that they can be working with. And when you've got you know competitors coming at you trying to get into your your um, uh, community and advertise in your magazine, you know that you're reaching uh, the right audience. And I think it's a, it's a fantastic case study. We that's really true. That's so true. So, so, so true. Yeah. We need to stop thinking about leads and we need to yeah. start thinking about relationships, right? Yeah. Refer back to Law View case study. <laughs> B2B sales is, is non-linear. It's often back and forth for months on end and tracking that particular individual is almost impossible. They might change companies or roles. Um, and so this is kind of where we're talking about that dark social or building that, that dark funnel. They're there sitting within our audience list, but we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at how we're capturing intent around the problems that they have to pique their curiosity, to entertain them, to captivate them, to inspire them. This webinar, we're talking about a whole lot of different marketing tech tools. This is what we're talking about in terms of dark content, dark social right? You're here learning and, and being a part of this, but none of the companies that we talk about today are able to track any of this activity or the fact that you're particularly um, involved in a particular channel, right? So you might decide to go and buy a particular um, product that we talk about today, 
And you, they will only know if they ask you, how did you find out about us? And you mentioned this webinar. So that's just, you know, mm. classic so example. it's like, so just, just digging a little bit further into the whole dark funnel, dark social thing, I guess it would be like, me downloading something off a website or you know looking at an ebook on say account-based marketing and forwarding that to you an email which nobody can track right they can't track if I downloaded it and then sent it to you on email and then you might post it on your social channel and then somebody else might like and share that so that's what you're talking about when you're talking about dark funnel right dark social yeah dark social and that dark funnel is when you know, from that, they're starting to then engage with more of your your content. So they're actively engaged in your um, community or your your um, your content program. Could be multi channel, multi channel. Could be all over the place. Could be um, through your website, attending other events. They're probably in multiple different audiences that you've got, um, but they're actively engaged. They're going to be in lead scoring or uh, in dark lead scoring um, if you've got them and you're trying to move them through, but you don't know who they are yet. Mm. Um, and this kind of goes back to that whole, you know, give, 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 ask, right? If you haven't, if they haven't already, um, you know, asked you um, for more information is, is, is kind of how we are um, been trying to get people through. So, when we're building out uh, a target account list, so we have our we, we have our ICP, our ideal customer profile, and then from that we're running um, you know kind of ninety day campaigns or whatever that time frame, and we're building out a target account list to run um, paid ads to generate lists. Perhaps we published a thought leadership piece on an industry news site that's generating um, website traffic. We need to validate that the channel that we are trying to connect with our audience on is the right channel mm -hmm. and that's driving the right people and the right companies or the right accounts, if we like, if we're thinking about an ABM model, the right accounts um, to our website. So a key metric here, key question is, do they fit our ICP? And one tool we use or a couple of tools we use for this um, as, uh, as I use Lead Forensics, um, Caroline, you're using Six. Yeah, Six Sense, yep. Talk a little bit more about that shortly. So yeah. a key metric um, on marketing performance for, for, for the board, for one of the companies I work with, is the percentage of new companies hitting the website that meet our ideal customer profile. So are we talking about the right messages? Are we in the right channels? Are we having the right conversations that's driving the right accounts to take to consider us? Mm. Uh, and that's uh, it, it's, it's really... And that's kind of really, really important in terms of how we're looking to, to qualify and how we then turn them into, um, you know, pass them over to sales um, to nurture um, and, and, and engage with through their process as well. Right? So this is scary. Yeah. And this is so blurry. I'm sorry. You probably need like a microscope to actually see it, but you'll get the gist. Each dot which is actually a logo, represents an individual MarTech software platform. So where do you start, right? And what do you choose for the size and shape of your business? I am completely mind blown with the choices, especially as every year this particular map seems to almost double. So when you're a smaller, albeit, a growing business, should you invest in the best solution from the outset planning for the future? 
or do you start small and know you'll migrate at some stage in the future? What do you think? Yeah. Drones or mini? Good question. Um, and and this kind of goes back to some of the points where I, I, I kind of made earlier. And sometimes, you know, we can we can put in uh, a solution right from the outset that we intend to grow into. It's full featured and full functionality. It's got all the bells and whistles, but it's quite expensive. And after a couple of years, uh, you might not be using it to its full potential. And and other people in the business kind of go, why are we paying? Uh, for a Rolls Royce engine, when when all we need is a you know is a Toyota Hilux, so mm. um, so really really key things, and I guess that really kind of looks at what's your growth trajectory, um, what are the number of contacts that you're looking, you know, how fast do you think you're gonna you're gonna go, and are you comfortable with deploying a solution now, no full knowing that in 18 months or 24 months, you're going to have to migrate out if you hit those targets. Mm. And that's a really, you know, that's something uh, that that you, you're you probably going to have to deal with if, if you make that decision, right? So Yeah, and the costs blow out too, right? Number of contacts that you, you know, add more and more and more as you grow. So I totally agree. You have to be focused on, you know, or know what's the growth trajectory you're planning. Yeah, so... What are the things that people consider when we're looking at um, at different tools or new tools to uh, add to our tech stack? So integration, obviously, number one. We want to make sure that if we're building a tech stack from scratch, that we're looking at um, our customer data platform or our CRM. So whatever the CRM generally is, the backbone of everything that we're, we're doing. So everything needs to integrate with CRM. We have to have a single source of truth um, for all of that data. Um, so then you're kind of living within the family, that ecosystem of, of, of applications that integrates with that particular um, CRM. Um, and then, you know, we're looking at, um, uh, you know, what's the cost structure of it, how much support they have, what security is involved. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> we have to think about you know, different tools have different methodologies and workflows that they kind of prescribe you to to mm. do and mm -hmm. so we have to think about how um how these different tools whether they fit are they consistent with the way that we want to operate in our marketing function um, with our goals and our measurement um, is the data portable uh, can we easily export out if we need to um, what's the security and storage? If we have data um, workarounds, I mean, it might be simple things like web forms going into um, other tools that you might want to use Zapier for. Um, you know, is that that's creating complexity and extra cost? Um, and then what's that user experience? You know, a lot of companies, uh, uh, you know, smaller SMBs, you know, choose to go with HubSpot because there are so many HubSpot certified potential. You know, professionals around lots of people who are very familiar with that product um so you know do you have that internal capability are you looking to agencies to support that which can increase your cost um you know and what's that time to value if you're having to migrate down the track um or if you're picking a platform that needs a whole lot of customizations um then that's gonna that's gonna increase the time to value and then lastly, we've got to set the expectations 
we've got to bring the whole team with us, right? So we've got to set the expectations on delivery and impact. So how long is it going to take? What are the changes that people can expect? How is this going to enable us to scale and grow um, at pace um, so that we're not, um, you know, we're not overselling um, our, our capability here? All great points. So what we're getting into some of the nitty gritty here. Um, here are some of the most common marketing tech platforms. Most of you will be mm -hmm. familiar with, with, with many of these. Each has a new set of functionality and methodology. Some work out of the box. Some need lots of customizations and setup. So you need to understand the pros and cons of each to map your stack and how they plug and play together, right? Um, so I've attempted to kind of group these together, most commonly used by SMBs or larger enterprises. However, you know, Salesforce is used across the board. Hotspot's used across the board. SendGrid's used by startups and enterprise. Um, so there's always kind of a bit of a, a mix, mix mash going on um, here. Um, Braze uh, is uh, is quite new to New Zealand. It's an engagement platform that actually uniquely delivers real-time uh, cross-channel interaction. So there's no delay in data coming in and waiting 15 minutes for an email to go out. So that's it's quite, it's quite different. Uh, Rob Cook's leading that New Zealand team. And it sounds really, really powerful. Great. So lots of interesting tools, but if you're starting from scratch, what's the first thing you'd implement and why? Um, we'll come to this in a second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, good question. Where do we start? What do we do? What do we do first? Uh, CRM. A CRM. Yep. Okay. So you've said Salesforce or HubSpot, right? So yeah, that's probably... You, for the majority of companies um, in New Zealand, you're going to be picking between Salesforce or, or HubSpot, right? And uh, and that that's really going to be looking at um, your marketing function, your sales function, and then your back office function. Mm -hmm. So your sales and invoicing, your sales processes, and all those sorts of things. And then like HubSpot is kind of all in one. There's lots of different components. You can have your you can have your website in there. It's got um, ABM component. Um, so you can have your whole ecosystem all sitting inside HubSpot, which has some really great tracking tools. It's, um, you know, it's, it's quite relatively easy to set up. There's lots of really smart agencies out there to help you do it. Um, and chances are, if you're hiring a marketing manager, um, they've probably got some experience with HubSpot in New Zealand. Um, Salesforce, definitely uh, next level up. You can start the Salesforce reasonably inexpensively, um, and it, it is it is super smart. It has a customer data platform as well, and of course Salesforce has Pardot, which is that email automation platform. Um, so lots of you know, I guess it's um, you know different ways of shaping your tech stack when you're looking at these different types of tools, right? Mm -hmm. um, if it was me. Uh, I'd be Salesforce because I'd go Salesforce first because it's 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 definitely best in class. And I know that no matter how big the company gets, we're never going to have to leave Salesforce. So the, the backbone of our customer data is always going to be consistent. Mm, so it's more flexible, effectively, for growth. Yeah, it's going to grow mm. with us. HubSpot will grow with you. HubSpot can get very, very expensive. Salesforce can get expensive too. Um, mm. But um, 
uh, I'd probably start with Salesforce. Again, depending on your capability, having everything in the same, um, you know, the same company and the same product, mm. that could work well for some people as well. So what would that map look like? Well, um, let's, we'll get there. I'll give you a couple of examples uh, very soon. Here we've tried to map out, kind of roughly speaking, where we kind of see cost and complexity with these things in a chart um, to give you some kind of idea of, of where they go. Customer.io, uh, I'll talk a little bit about that as we go. Kind of like SendGrid, very similar to SendGrid, does transactional emails as well as your email marketing um, tools, but not a CRM, so you're integrating that with Salesforce. Um, campaign monitor a little bit more. Segment and Telium, so they're customer data platforms. So these are platforms that sit over your entire um, uh, marketing ecosystem, and they're pulling data from uh, social, your website, and an app, um, mm -hmm. so that you can start doing, you know, hyper personalized um, comms, and you can track people through that entire uh, journey. And you're building audiences against, you know, time and rules and actions and events and those sorts of things. Um, to help you move them through that dark funnel, to help you move them through, um, uh, you know, constructively. So really smart. As I said, Salesforce has got its own um, CDP, um, which I haven't played with yet, but I'll help hope to uh, shortly. So. Well, let's recap. Let's <laughs> recap. The current state of play, there's so many tools here. What? <laughs> so we agree that NQLs are dead and marketing should focus on the delivery of high quality sales conversations, tick. We also agree that gated content isn't working. So we've got to engage all of our great knowledge and, and thinking. So what tools should we be using to capture intent, identify prospects and move them through our marketing and sales funnel? So let's say I'm a marketer working in a bootstrap startup and I've got limited budget. Yep, what could yep. my MarTech stack look like? Okay. So I was in that situation last year, perhaps early year before, and this is what we did. So we had HubSpot as a sales CRM. We used customer.io for our marketing CRM email automation. So form fills or data captured from the website or new app signups all went into customer.io. Overarching all of that was Segment, which is the customer data platform. Now, Segment actually has a startup um, uh, plan, which was, I think, actually free for the first year, um, or super cheap. And so all of the data coming from um, customer.io, from our website, from our in-app interactions, um, through Intercom, um, were all being fed into into segments so that we can build smart audiences to improve our um, digital ad marketing on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever it happens to be and trigger comms um, through Intercom um, or any other kind of live chat. And then we're using Google Data Studio as our as our analytics tool. And of course, Google, um, Google Analytics and Tag Manager um, to track um, key events um, that we're doing. So Thus, HubSpot's the most expensive platform in here, but we were only using uh, marketing. So this was 
less than a thousand dollars a month all of that yep amazing amazing so okay what if i had a bit more cash to play with what would i do then i'm and i'm a scale up business i'm growing what would i what would i do okay so this is uh this is the tech stack that i'm actually playing with at the moment for one of my clients so we're a salesforce shop everything lives in salesforce our entire um uh marketing data our crm our invoicing everything is all done through through salesforce we use campaign monitor as our email marketing um platform uh and our website is a custom build so it's all self-hosted on our own azure azure platform um so we use uh tag manager um and to to run events so we've got tags against the PDF links on our landing pages so we can see which documents are getting downloaded um, and you know how how often are they being utilized. We use seamless.ai so kind of like Zoom Info it's a subscription-based model where you can effectively go and search for companies and contacts and start building your lists or you can enrich your current lists um, with um, up-to-date contact information. Uh, so we're, we're building lists, we're doing campaigns, we're using those lists to create audiences and LinkedIn. Uh, and then, you know, is that company visiting our website part of our ICP? So we use lead forensics for that. And it doesn't tell us who the individual is or their contact mm -hmm. details, but it does say, uh, you know, someone from ASB Bank visited your website today. And where that came so the the attribution so what campaign did they come from did they come from a google search did they come from a linkedin campaign which one was it so we can do some fuzzy logic around attribution for that and we then look at um so the companies that are visiting the website that are not part of our campaigns um we can then build audiences to those um, companies on linkedin as well to keep um nurturing those through through our abm model and, talk. and I guess, yeah, sorry. And I guess if you had a BDR and SDR function, so like a you know a, a telemarketing yep. or a pre-sales organization, you could actually feed that data through to them. So the, this company is looking at our stuff, and here's what they're looking at. So a warm lead for you to follow up with, right? So it actually provides a bit of a, a prospect um, cold calling opportunity for an SDR function or BDR function as well. Yeah, you're kind of getting, you're kind of trying to get, you know find the person to put up their hand in that organization who's the one who's the one looking around right um but if you know that you know someone's looking then there's probably others so it's looking yeah. you're trying to kind of unravel um what their um business problem is the other thing we're using in here is calendly so for all the appointment booking so we don't have any any forms um to start a trial or um anything like that there's no forms it's book a discovery call and you can schedule mm -hmm. that um in your own time um and uh, you know that's way more uh effective um for people and people tend to like that so those are the two examples that, that yeah, i've got right. there's obviously a ton of different ways to slice and dice <laughs> this up uh i know you're using six cents and i'd really like to ask you around um what that is knowing we've got a couple of minutes left yeah, yeah, sure. So it's very similar to lead forensics, I'd imagine. So it shows you the company, their location, um, in terms of what they've been looking at, what they've been downloading. So you can actually look at a timeline as well to see 
you know, these pages were looked at, this content was downloaded, they watched this video to this point. So you can actually form up um, a pretty clear intent signal about the person, the randomized person who's from this company in this location um, and what they've been doing. So really similar, I guess, to lead forensics. Um, the other great thing about that is that you can actually segment the data that comes through. So if they're an existing account, you can actually map that against um, you know, your existing account list. And so you know that there could be an opportunity for expansion if they're looking at other products on your website or if they're cold and have never been a client or had any touch from your organization before too. So there's some really great segmentation that you can achieve there too. But look, Justin, that was an awesome summary. Thank you so much. People are going to want to talk to you when they're ready to buy. So we all know that only 3% of our target audience is interested in having a conversation with anyone about what we do, right? So we have to be relevant to the 97% and be actively um, visible to the 97% um, until they're ready to have a conversation with us. So I think if you're doing a really great job with demand, Jen, we're gonna get that anyway. All right, um, we've covered a lot today and hope that you, found um, our session of value. Um, as I mentioned, we've recorded the session today um, and we'll make this available to our members via our resources portal. And if you're not already a TMG member, it's really easy to join via our website. Um, and Justin and I both look forward to welcoming you to our community soon. So thank you all. I really hope some of the, um, some of the things that we've spoken about today kind of help guide your strategic planning with us and yeah feel free to reach out to uh, to either of us if you want to have another chat about it otherwise uh, thank you all very much for joining us today